This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and your organization to the next level. Today, what a privilege sitting down with Jensen Franklin. Jensen is the senior pastor at Free Chapel, a multi-site church with campuses across the country. And of course, each week, his television program, Kingdom Connection, is broadcast on major networks all over the world. New York Times bestselling author Jensen has written nine books, including his most recent, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute, Love Like You've Never Been Heard. It's my pleasure to welcome Jensen Franklin. Welcome, Jensen. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Uh, We're excited. uh, As we are recording this podcast, we are having SU Conference, and in just a few minutes, you're going to step out and invest in our students, and we are grateful for... uh, taking the time to do that. So thank you for that. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's a pretty exciting place. I just rode around the campus. I haven't been here in a long time, I guess probably 15 years, maybe 20. Uh, and boy, to see the growth, to see the campus full of life, thousands of students, something is going right here. Yeah, sure. we're, we're having a great, great time investing. And, you know, it's great when you think about being a part of a generation that you're going to come alongside that God's raising up to serve him to serve the church to serve the world and and so we count it a great you know opportunity to to do that and he's blessed us in many ways so we're grateful well hey i want to talk a little bit about um you know you're you've had one of the most impactful church leadership careers and and i really want to start by the beginning you know what first drew you into ministry and where you really sensed that that was the call that god had on your life Well, I was raised in a pastor's home that certainly impacted me. My mother's on staff with us now. She does our seniors, and Uh she's 83 years old, and she's all the people on staff know she outworks us all. So, you know, that was kind of my my background. My dad was a pastor. He never pastored large churches, all just very small churches of three to 400, 500 maybe was the biggest church he ever pastored. But, um, you know, it was amazing. my parents knew that you could you can't grow bananas in Alaska. If you want certain fruit, you have to get the right climate. And so they put their five kids, me being one of the five, in that atmosphere, that climate of church. Our whole world was built around church. We, uh, my parents would say, um, all of you are going to play a musical instrument. Dad was pretty smart, you know. He he didn't depend on a music director. He had his own band and his family. Yeah. <laughs> and so my my sister played the piano. My brother played the trumpet. My other brother played the trombone. I played saxophone, and um, everybody played something. All you know, every Saturday, I remember cutting the grass and cleaning the church, and then we could play football. Mm. And there's something about that amazing thing. By the time I was 16, all my heroes were in the church. Mm. And uh, something in me, you know, back then the evangelists and preachers would stay in your house. And, you know, just hearing the old preacher stories and being around true men of God, women of God, it it impacted me. And before I knew it, uh, at the age of 20, I felt the Lord calling me to preach. I had won a full scholarship in music, uh, playing sax, and uh, I was in my second year of college. And my brother was an evangelist, and he said, uh, I want you to go travel with me this summer and do youth camps. And I'd play and sing before he would preach. And that mm. summer, God called me to preach, and he let me preach my first sermon in one wow. of his revivals. Yeah. Wow. Now, how, how did you first uh, come to, to Pastor Free Chapel? 
Well, that's a, that's a wild story. I would go there once a year. My wife's grandmother went to that church. It's right outside of Atlanta, about 40 miles north of Atlanta. And she, so we had that little family connection. And I would go once a year and speak for this pastor who, who had founded the church. His name was Roy Welburn. And uh, he booked me about nine months in advance every year. And on the week that he had booked me nine months in advance, um, he got sick and he died on the Friday night. And I went in on Sunday. Their only pastor had passed away, several hundred people. They were grieving. They were heartbroken. They asked me to speak because I had been scheduled for nine months to be there. I spoke a simple message. That morning, I knew that God was dealing with me, and I tried to bury it. And uh, to make a long story short, we fasted. We prayed. They kept calling me, asking would I take the church. And at the young age of 28, Having never pastored a church before, I took the church, and I, my knees weren't knocking. They were missing. I was scared to death and didn't know what I was doing, and God, and God only helped me. And as you begin to lead, uh, lead the church, how did you create, because you're a visionary leader, and there's no doubt about that, how did you begin to create the vision and what you were seeing uh, that could happen and could be accomplished in that, in that church? Well, I, I think, you know, God has to... Uh, really birth a vision in you and every time that I would look out on that little country church I didn't see where it was I, I I could just sense that the potential was enormous the pastor before me had laid a beautiful foundation he had left us a great little building and it was paid for so I, I knew we had you know momentum and um, I just, I just would get up and, and preach vision. I preached a lot about vision. I preached, you know, you, it, you can't just hope people get there. You kind of gotta, right. you kind of gotta speak it before they see it. And that's what leadership is. Leadership is going a little bit further, getting out there a little bit further than 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 people are. And you know, it was a real challenge because I had, I had a lot of tradition. I had a lot of. Um, uh, people that I inherited, and when the church really began to grow, suddenly people were losing their identity. They were in having territorial battles, you know, that no longer were they the person in that particular area that was the predominant person. And I went through all those challenges, you know, the, uh, and it was, it, was, it was quite an adventure. My dad helped me walk through that and gave me a lot of wisdom. He told me one time, he said, you can do anything you want to do. He said, if you want to move the piano from the right side to the left side, do it. Just do it three inches a Sunday. Three inches a <laughs> That's Sunday. That's great wisdom. Yes, it is. Wow. Now, under your leadership, Free Chapel, of course, has grown significantly. And, and you have campuses ranging from Georgia to South Carolina, uh, even California. What, what pushed you to begin creating a nationwide network? Well, I think certainly television uh, helped that. Uh, for us, television has been a tremendous uh, uh, thing that has filled our churches up. You know, it just put people in the seats. But beyond that, um, I would have to say that at some point, you know, I just realized that that was the route to go, that multi-campus was doable for us. We had, we had maxed, we had reached you know, mega church size, I guess, in one campus. But I, I, know I was really leaning toward enlarging that building, our, our present facility in Gainesville seats 3,000. And I had already had the plans drawn up and everything to go to 5,000. Hmm. 
but I just couldn't get peace about it. And I got up and I told her people, it's really a little bit embarrassing to be honest, but I look back and I see the wisdom and the help of God because I got up and I said, I think I missed it. I said, I know that I've been telling you that we were going to do this, but I cannot get peace, and I, I'm sorry if, if you're disappointed in my leadership, but I'm just going to tell you I don't feel peace about it. We need to go back to fasting wow. and praying. Mm. And so we stopped everything, and within a month, a church was given to us in, in Orange County, California, and that church today runs over 4,000. My son-in-law pastors it. Wow. And then the next thing we know, uh, another building fell in our hands and another building and another building. And looking back, you know, I, I really would encourage people to really seek the Lord in those transitions because if you don't feel peace about it, don't do it just because everybody else is doing it or, or you just want to see something grow. But God really has a plan for success for your ministry. What what has been um, some of the leadership challenges you've seen of having organizations that are maybe distant from each other and, and handling, uh, you know, the leadership of that network, if you will, to make sure it's on the same page? Yeah. Well, it's always communication, I think, has to be extremely clear. I think you have to have one one vision and one voice and then hold people accountable to that vision and make sure that the people that you have in leadership have your heart, have mm -hmm. your vision. Um, I, I think too, you know, when I, when I think about our situation, um, I, you, you have to realize that change is, change is good. Change is an indication God is on your case. And so many organizations, they go so far and they're not willing to shift and they're not willing to change. And um, I know a turning point for, for us, we had, we had kind of peaked. Our, our numbers had peaked at, at, at maybe, I guess it was about 4,000 or 5,000 people. And uh, I went to Hillsong Conference to speak. They had asked me to speak, and I thought I was going to speak. But really, I, I went to see a model hmm. of a church that I believe God wanted me to see because I believe you have to see it right. before you can right. do it. And I saw a church and how it was functioning. I loved the feel of it. I loved the vibe of it. I loved the organization of it. And I came back and I knew I had a lot of changes to make. And we began to change and move in that direction. And, and you know, you can, you can uh, rebrand anything. And sometimes church needs a rebranding. And I had to ask myself this hard question, would I go to this church if I were not the pastor? And, and in some ways I loved our church, but other ways I knew we were bogged down in tradition and bogged down in how it's all, you know, the last dying words of any church is we've always done it this way. And so I had to make some shift. We, we went from the old school music to praise and worship and changing of everything. And uh, boy, the, you know, the older I get, the younger I want my staff to get, my stage to get. Yeah my leadership to get, not that we don't have a multi-generational ministry, we do, but um, we, we believe it's vital that we have young people and youth out front continually being raised up, and that's, uh, that's kind of what has worked for us in a tremendous way. Hmm. You've been you know, one of the innovators in utilizing, utilizing technology for ministry, uh, especially, you know, as you mentioned, when it comes to television. Uh, what first prompted you to to really engage and see television as a a way to really connect? 
Well, I, I just felt like God had called me to do it. I, I don't know why, but I would see it, and I would, and something in me said, "You, you, you can do that. You're supposed to do that." And I don't believe it was selfish am- ambition. I think it was truly a calling, mm. and a desire to reach people. The motive was pure in it, and uh, God began to bless it. One thing led to another, and uh, before we knew it, we were we were on nationally and internationally. And, um, you know, I would also encourage people, uh, you know, local t- television is where I right. started on cable. And, boy, it gave us a presence in our community. We, we had moved into the first building that we built, and it was about half full. Mm-hmm. And we were excited about that because that was great growth for us, but we had a half-empty church. And so I felt led to go on a local station every night, uh, daily, at 7 o'clock. And, uh, I, you know, that changed everything for us. People started coming out of the woodworks. So TV works to help put, put people in the seats. But the other thing that, of course, you know, now is, is just as powerful, of course, is, you know, online ministry. Right, it's just right. remarkable. Um, you know, we, we, we have seen uh, just, you know, we, just many people who have been touched and blessed all over the world. doesn't cost a lot of money. And yet, if you do it right, um, you can you can see the gospel go out in powerful ways. Everybody needs to have social media presence in this day and time. And and when you think about new ministry leaders and pastors that are coming up, and and uh, what are what are some of the things that they need to think about, really, when it comes to using technology in in ministry? Well, there's no need to try to reinvent the wheel. Learn from some people who are doing it well, and um, uh, what we, you know, just for example, I noticed today that that our, our team put up a clip of this past Sunday's message that I preached on, on uh, family heroes, and they put up a clip, and within 24 hours, we've had 24,000 people like that. I mean, what a day we're living in that in one day, I can preach to 24,000 people. They actually watch the the 60-second or whatever it is clip that they put from the service. They really think it through. They really mm-hmm. present it in a powerful way. We have over a million people who follow us on Facebook and a half a million people on Instagram and Twitter. And it's just crazy that in one day you can preach the gospel to 24,000 people and, and I don't have to go anywhere or do right. anything. So why wouldn't we use those methods to reach people and it starts small. I mean, I started with one follower, <laughs> mm. but you just stay at it. You get right. good at it. You learn from it. If, if you're the smartest one in your group, you need to get a new group. Mm. And sometimes the only way to get better, the Bible said iron sharpens iron. Mm. So go get around some people. Furtick does an amazing job. Uh, there are people out there that, and I feel like our ministry is really growing. We just received an award. I'll brag a minute, but we just received <laughs> an award last uh, two weeks ago from from uh, uh, Instagram for growing so fast. Wow. And, uh, and it's really amazing and exciting. And I only say that because truly, I mean, it's one of the most cost-efficient ways of preaching sure. the gospel. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that award. Thank you. You're an empowering leader, um, a mentoring leader. Um, and it's evident just even in our conversations tonight, you, you have a passion to come alongside and raise up incredible leaders. What what is that personal leadership philosophy that drives you in the way that you lead and empower other leaders? 
I think everything has to come out of um, a passion for Jesus Christ. Mm. I mean, if, if we don't have that passion for Him, that love for Him, I want us, I'm 56 years old, and my goal now in life, you know, when I first started preaching, I, I, I was inspirational. I was a young evangelist, and I could go in and fire up a crowd, you know, and that was exciting. And I still, I still enjoy that side of ministry. And then when I started pastoring, I went more, I guess, from inspirational to informational. Hmm. I had to really start studying the books of the Bible and, you know, just systematically teach the Word of God. But at this season in my life, I want to be transformational. Hmm. I want to see people's lives transformed, marriages transformed, families transformed, people addicted and bound and defeated and beat up by life mm. transformed into overcomers. And that that's what really drives me is, God, let me see somebody's life transformed because that happened to me. There were certain services that I sat in that certain preachers preached and I walked away saying, I'll never be the same again. And I'd like mm. to ask people listening, how long has it been since you were in a service where you could say, I'll never be the same again? Wow. It went beyond surface. Head talks to head, but heart, heart. talks to heart. And sometimes we need to go for the heart of people and see that transformation that only God can do. That's what I'm after. And when you have that kind of motive and when young people in wanting to do ministry get that kind of motive that, God, I want to, I want to see somebody change like I was changed, yeah. then, then the Lord will open the doors. The Lord will make a way. The Lord will provide the resources. When we went to Free Chapel, our, our tithe and offerings every week was around $1,500. I had no staff. No, no youth pastor, no music pastor, nothing. But when you have vision and when you know God has called you to that place, I mean, I knew, I don't believe it would have happened for me in New York City or Los Angeles or Lakeland. God said Gainesville, Georgia, yeah. a little country town, but that little town has become a pulpit to the world for hmm. me. And so if God's called you to it, there's tremendous potential there if you won't give up. Yeah, powerful. You know, it seems like uh, more and more we see this growing expectation on pastors, you know, for example, to have like a large social following. Um, in your observation, how has the expectations on the role of the pastor in America changed over the last few decades? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest downside of all of that is you can begin to compare yourself mm. and uh, and defeat feel defeated because your ministry isn't growing as fast as somebody else's or you're right. not seeing and you follow them on Instagram and it looks like it, it's just everything's beautiful, everything's wonderful, and rarely do we show the ugly sides of ministry and the tough sides of ministry. But sometimes in ministry... Um, an old bishop told me this. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he said, Jensen, when God's going to use you greatly, he will hurt you deeply. Hmm. And that's not a, a little thing you put on your refrigerator right. to pick you up. But the truth is that if you are going to be used mightily of God, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. You're going to go through times when you wonder, you know, 
did God really call me? Am I really going to make it? Is this vision really from God? Mm-hmm. Should I give up? I feel like quitting. Why do I feel like quitting? I've had every one of those emotions. Mm-hmm. I've felt every one of those feelings in the 30 years that I've been pastoring this church. There were times in television where I was so discouraged. You know, I, I thought that when I went on TV that I'd go to the mailbox and, and the resources would just come in and I, I, I go to the mailbox and I get one letter, you know, and it's asking me for money and saying, you know, uh, help me and I don't know what I'm going to do. But I knew God had called me and I just kept doing what he told me to do. And today God uses that in an amazing way. So the point that I'm making is, you know, you have to have that stick to that that willingness to say, that tenacity to say, I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up. Yeah. And I'm going to persevere until I see the will of the Lord done in my life and in this place that he's called me to. Yeah, it's that commitment to calling. You've had the privilege to be a part of some pretty significant moments and conversations in in the history of our nation. In your opinion, what are some of the biggest issues that the church needs to be engaged in with our country today? Well, I think watching the news even in the last few weeks of the discussion on late-term abortion, when you see the governor of New York and you see the governor of Virginia um, casually, almost gleefully laughing and signing late-term ninth month and out of the womb abortion Mm. talking about that at what point do we have to come off the sidelines as ministers and we don't preach democrat or republican but we do preach the word of god and i think it's a clarion call like never before and i I would especially say to the millennial pastors you got to speak up right you got to you got to you got to we we got to declare the with with pure hearts and truth the word of god like never before because this is happening on our watch right this is bothering me that this is happening on our watch that 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 the things that we know have made this nation great the foundations are being destroyed religious freedom and right. so on and if we don't speak up and teach a new generation to get into the fight to get into the political, we belong in the political world. We belong in the business world. We belong in Hollywood. We belong in right. every part of this society that we live in. We are the light of the world, and our voices matter. And you know, I don't think we ought to, we ought to preach politics. We ought to preach Jesus. But right. here's the thing: some people ask me, "Well, why do you, you know, why why do you serve? Why have you have why have you gone to the White House with this president, President Trump?" And my answer to that is I go where I'm invited. Mm. And if a Democrat, if, if Hillary would have asked me, I would have I would go with the same advice right. that I give him. It's directly from the Word of God. I'm going to speak for justice. I'm going to speak for life. I'm going to speak for Israel. I'm going to speak for, uh, you know, I'm going to speak for, for, for that person and those people who don't have a voice, the undocumented minor. I'm going to say something, hopefully, that can help them. And, and us be compassionate for them. But at the same time, you know, I, I do believe we need to be engaged. Absolutely. So um, I really would encourage people to get more involved, pastors to get more involved, and, and especially on the issues the Bible is very clear, clear on. That's good. 
Before we head to the closing of our time together and we go through the lightning round that we always do with our guests, I, I want to talk briefly about your latest book. And, I, and I, love, I love the title of it, Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. Tell us a little bit about that book. Well, it's a book on forgiveness. It's mm. a book on the fact that no matter what you or your family or your marriage or your life has been through, there is a place that you can get to where you can love like you've never been hurt. The title actually implies that you will be offended. Mm. You will be hurt. You will have persecution. Somebody will lie on you. Somebody will betray you. Somebody will talk to you. And it won't necessarily be some far away enemy. Usually it's somebody who's very close, close. to you. Sometimes your own family, the people you love the most, can hurt you the most. Hmm. And what do you do? How do we hold our families together? How do we hold our marriages together, not just in sunshiny days, but in troubled times? Can you get beyond the present pain and... Uh, we went through some things. We've got five kids. My wife and I have been married 31 years, and we've got uh, we've got five kids, and um, and we've learned a lot. We've we've raised them, and uh, and we have had through what we've been through and walked through to learn how, on every in every way, to love like we've never been hurt. And God has been so faithful, and it's very practical. It's it's you know it's been it's been a book that uh, probably. The greatest result of any book that we've ever written. Wow. I'm amazed at the responses of, of testimonies of people, um, and it's very practical on how to do it. Well, let's uh, let's close our time together with a quick lightning round. Uh, got three questions. Want to give you the first one is: If you could go back to when you were 10 years old, what leadership advice would you give yourself? I would say, dream bigger. Uh, I would say dream bigger because God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Dream big, yeah. even bigger. You have a day when your calendar's cleared and you've been mandated by the church. You have to have a perfect day off. What does that look like for you? Well, I love the run. I'm a runner, so I'd go for a run as soon as I get up. My wife uh, likes to sleep in. I've learned to leave her alone. So I'll get up early. I'll go run. That's my prayer time. I'll come home. I'd love to spend it with her, spend it with my grandkids. I've got four grandkids. Oh. So that's a perfect day for me. And just hanging out, maybe going to see a movie with my wife. Yeah. All right. Final question. What historical leader, living or dead, would you most enjoy having a cup of coffee with? Um, you know, somebody that really impacted my life that I guess I, I just off the top of my head, uh, the, the first name that came was, um, was Spurgeon. Oh, I, yeah. I've got all of his sermons yeah. in my office, and I've read probably every one of them. I would have, you know, and I just love his way of, of uh, teaching the Word of God and putting sermons together, Old Testament, New Testament. So I'd love to meet him. He's really the first mega church pastor right, right. that I'm aware of, right. and he had a multimedia ministry exactly. back in the 1800s. And I had a mega church, what, 5,000 in London yep. when nobody had ever heard it. How, how did he do all of this? Yeah. The printing presses, putting his messages out 24 hours a day. So he's a pretty amazing leader. That'd be a great conversation. Hey, Jensen, it's been a pleasure. And I want to thank you for your wisdom tonight. Uh, I know there are a lot of young leaders that are listening in on this and appreciate that. And, and I also appreciate your humility of heart because that is a quality that so many respect and uh, grateful uh, for thank that you. in your life. So thank you for that. For more on Jensen Franklin, you can go to jensenfranklin.org. 
Thanks again for joining us on Framework Leadership today. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.